All right, no intro. Um, get on with it, I suppose. Technical can edit that that bit as an intro with some fancy music over it. So I guess welcome back, everyone. Um, it's been a while. We've all been busy. Um, as has Israel, and has Palestine. Um, unfortunately, we are. You know, we do have a personal life each, and actually, at the end of the day, it's quite difficult to coordinate when we can come on and podcast. So, um, we're here, and we've got 11 days of, of war and conflict to get through, as well as some other stuff on the side. So, yeah, what 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 an 11 days, chaps? Yeah, I know. I, I didn't, honestly, I did not expect it to last 11 days. I mean, when you, I thought, like, when it happened to me personally, I just thought it was just good, it's just going to be one of these sort of usual bit of flare ups dies down after like 48 hours. But no, that was definitely not the case. No, it definitely wasn't, was it? I mean, you know, cliche, what usually happens is that, you know, a few barrages of rockets, a few airstrikes, and then ceasefire for a couple of months, then same cycle. But after 24 hours, and I think everyone just sort of was like, well, I feel like that ain't going to happen um, this and time. I, mean, I think we were sort of expecting s- some rocket fire to come. I mean, given the situation, what happened in Jer- in Jerusalem at the mosque, there was there was always the expectation there was something was going to happen as a result of it. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even the Israelis knew that. You know, they were looking at that and be like, right, you know, they were making preparations for that when when the riots were were happening. There was no way that that Hamas and all the PIJ was going to let them away with that one. Absolutely not. I mean, we had, but just the rocket barrages were just so intense at times. I mean, the videos coming out, we've all seen them. I mean, there's been nothing. I've just, it was incredible to see. Yeah, really, really was. And, you know, specs to Iron Dome. Um, right, as you say, everyone's footage by now, and it is quite something. Um, lighting up the night sky with interceptions. Yeah, what what a piece of kit, you know. Um, and obviously, when they out when when they started targeting Tel Aviv, that was obviously the big escalation of your new fine well. Once you start targeting Tel Aviv, obviously you're using your longer yeah. range rockets. There's going to be more intensive action from the IDF. Yeah, yeah. You know, what I love, what I love about that area is how there's there's like mutual boundaries, in which if one area, like you know, one side crosses an area of boundary, then it's like you've escalated. It's quite a strange one to cover, really. Because... It's, like, it's like an escalation ladder. You've climbed one rung of the ladder, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah, climbing exactly. the next rung. Yeah, it's it's honestly, it's quite... There's almost an element of humour about it, because it's... You do one thing, and you have, you have to go up a single energy level to be able to, you know, escalate. And there's that mutual boundary between the two sides. So, obviously, both, you know, both acknowledge that those boundaries have been exceeded, and, and here we are. And obviously, as well, we had the um, the rogue rocket fire on two occasions from Lebanon, I think. Yeah, um, it was um, Hamas. So obviously, not many. You know, it's quite confusing actually. I was quite taken back because um, I um, Hamas have a, a number of you know separate factions in southern Lebanon, um, which which have the capability to launch you know Katusha rockets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there was a bit, you know, there was a time where I think everyone held their breath that 
at the fact that Israel could be getting it from both sides. Yeah, I think, the, I, think, I think the concern was when the initial rocket fire reported from Lebanon, everyone thought, has Hezbollah decided to get involved? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, let's face it, the, the new of it, and they knew it was going going on, but given the fact that it was kind of like rogue rocket fire, as in not essentially connected to them, they just kind of did nothing to say, well, wasn't us kind of attitude. Yeah, exactly. And I think, <clears throat> should Hezbollah have been, you know, been involved like in a, on a major scale, I think we'd be having a very different conversation um, about the outcome. Um I think it's safe to say Hezbollah has more of a reach and capability than Hamas does. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, and I think should they have got involved, I don't think we would be looking at the success, the same success the Israelis have, have achieved. Um, which actually, that's quite subjective. I say success. There's a debate. Yeah, I Is mean, it, I mean, they've they've had success in that they've been able to take out a significant amount of Hamas's infrastructure in the last eleven days, um, infrastructure that they wouldn't really have had a legitimate excuse to target had the circumstances not arisen in the first place. But it's both sides are kind of in the position. Well, yes, okay, they've achieved successes in one way or another, but the opposite side still exists. And so they exactly. haven't really gotten rid of the, the overarching problem. Um, you never they have. You're never going to end the rocket threat from Hamas. They're going to, given the fact that they can domestically manufacture them, that's straight away. That's like, how how are you even going to stop that? And second of all, obviously, close ties to the Iranians that can get equipment in. I mean, you'll never end the 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 threat of them firing it, but you can certainly reduce the impact of them which is what Israel's done through reducing their infrastructure. It, it's a risk mitigation is what they've done over the last you know week and few days, is that, as you say, Hamas is a very, very slippery target. Um, you know, civilian vehicles, civilian buildings, as we know, it's, it's really chasing shadows at times. And Israel has done its utmost to disrupt that. Through human intelligence sources, you know, open open inter, open source intelligence sources, um, iStar platforms, all that good stuff. Um, they've done as you know. I, I personally, no one can truthfully say, apart from the Israelis, that how much the Hamas capability has been reduced. Yeah, I would, I would suggest it's significant. I, I really would. I, I don't think a single organization can take eleven days of bombardment. Um, on this scale and walk away completely, you know, sky high on morale and equipment on a personnel basis. And and there's a there's quite a stark uh, image that uh, I believe Aurora Intel uh, tweeted earlier today, um, just showing the locations of a lot of the confirmed Israeli airstrikes inside of Gaza and the various targets that they've hit. And it's like we've already said, it's not a small thing. You know, this was no low-scale, small-scale operation. They really took the opportunity to try and hit Hamas as hard as they could. Um, yeah, and, and, and they, you know, I've all been told massive, massive shout-out to them for their work over the, over the last few days. It's where pretty much everyone has got their information from, and Unbiased and it's accurate. I think I think it's a, it's what everyone wants. 
um we love we love to see it um so yeah massive thank you to those guys it's been it's been you know a pleasure to follow it yeah it's like um, we saw it's always real when they were striking like just r- roads in gaza you could see obviously hitting the hamas tunnel network because you could see how hollow the roads was with mm-hmm. the way the road had completely collapsed in on itself like it's that is evidently not built on solid ground yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, some of those photos, it's blatantly obvious there's underground infrastructure there, blatantly obvious. Um, yeah, it, I think it's quite something that a munition could do that. Um, I, you know, I, it's going to sound crude to a lot of people, but I marvel at the technology that was used and you know, that we saw being the fact that we could level a what was it, 16 story, you know, 16 story flats with, with three with three munitions. Hmm. That that to me is incredible, and it, it's Definitely. obviously a combination of of the Israeli munitions and the fact that the buildings themselves have not been built as structurally well as they should be, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, and, and and that does come down partly to the way they're being used by Hamas. I mean, if you're going to stick a rocket launcher on the roof of a skyscraper, or even in a flat pointing towards Israel, it's going to have an effect every time you launch a rocket out that window. Um, it's going to, you know, it's going to impact on the on the structural stability. Um, yeah, it it really is. Um, and there was there's a post I saw. I can't really remember who, who posted it, but it was a depiction of the Gaza skyline uh, before and after, and dramatic dramatically reduced um in terms of you know just just the general building in your eyesight if you look around it's barren mm. quite quite something really wasn't it i mean yeah and i i can't remember exactly how many multi-story buildings were brought down maybe three four five jordan i mean you might be able to correct me on that one yeah i think i think four or five was definitely the figure um yeah I mean, one of them, well, this is where we get onto the controversial bit, isn't it? I think one of them housed international media. It was um, Al Jazeera and, and uh, AFP, the Associated Foreign Press, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yes, that was it. Yeah, I remember. So it was, yeah, and BBC World Service, I believe. I mean, the, were... the question, the I mean, it, obviously it's controversial hitting that, but you've got a question at the same time of, did the people in the building surely you would have noticed certainly something suspicious with Hamas operating and in, in using that building? Yeah. yeah. If that's your permanent place of work, surely over the years you've worked there, something's caught your attention. Yeah, and you know the outrage targeting me, the yeah, the yeah, the of course it needs to be investigated. Of course, evidence needs to be presented, but there is a real, real question: Did the BBC, Al Jazeera, Russia Today, willingly operate and knowingly operate out of a building used by an internationally designated terrorist organisation. Also, the, is you've a also serious got, question. I think you've also got to look as well as, given the situation, was there a building large enough to house them that Hamas didn't operate in at the same yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and and that's and, something you've got to remember because Hamas is, uh, you know, sort of 
authority and uh, power in Gaza is not to be underestimated. It used to be a case of whenever you referred to the government in Gaza, it was always a reference to sort of the Palestinian Authority. But to uh, you know, to a certain extent, in recent years, they have very much disappeared, and Hamas is kind of regarded as the de facto power in Gaza now, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I mean, they'll do it on me. part. They'll kind of just. That if if you think it's become the image of Gaza, it's become the image of Hamas. Mm. As unfortunate as that is for the people who are who are who have to live there and have to live under basically Hamas. Yeah, um, and that's not pretend. That's that's a positive. This is you know as you just said the image of Hamas. This is where this brings us on to the whole optics of what we've just seen. Um, Let's just touch on how Israel is now regarded. Mm. Um, I think this is very important we touch on this because the amount of anti-Israeli sentiment has risen dramatically over the last few days. I mean, to levels in which, um, as Technical mentioned earlier, I mean, he's not here, but as he mentioned earlier, it was you know, nothing, I would say, it's on the levels we saw back in 2004, anti-Israeli sentiment not been this high for years oh absolutely i, I mean you could just yeah. look at some of the footage just from our own capital in london yeah 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 disgraceful in london you know i think um pro-palestine rallies fine you know you could you know you've got your right to free speech and all that but actually the moment it turns into just pure anti-semitism it needs to stop yeah. There is something seriously institutionally wrong with how that was allowed to go ahead. I think it's been massively motivated by if you spend, well, it's certainly in the U, from a UK perspective, if you spend, what, five, ten minutes looking through any social media of people in, like, their late teens, 20s and their early 30s, it's filled with people posting stuff and posting stuff on their stories that are just, that really misinterpret the whole situation and end up just fueling these sorts of movements. Yeah, yeah, and, of course. And, and, and it, you know, on on that topic, it doesn't help that a lot of people are incredibly misinformed or are talking genuinely about something they really don't understand. I mean, you've only got to look at those protests in London to see that, because you've got so many of these pro-Palestinian protesters wandering around waving the Palestinian flag upside down, and you think, well, hang on a second, if you can't even get the flag the right way up. How on earth are you supposed to understand this problem that's been going on for almost a hundred years now? I mean, it's pretty much been going on since, like, since well, you could argue it's been going on since 1948. I mean, you ain't gonna solve it through your Instagram post if it cannot be solved by this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as as you just said, mate, as you just said about the being held upside down, I really do think. And we're going to get slaughtered, I'm going to get slaughtered for saying this, but I think what we have seen in terms of resistance to Israel, I think, of course, we need to criticize, we need to deeply delve into what's right and what's wrong, what's justified, what's not. Mm. There needs to be an investigation into, you know, all, all the, well, not all of the airstrikes, but airstrikes that endangered or harmed civilians. You know, that That's accountability. I agree with yeah, that. However, 100%. what we have seen, what we have seen is how... And a pro-Palestinian rhetoric, to in to some extent and in some numbers, borders very, very closely to anti-Semitism. 
and that's completely unacceptable. And and I think the issue as well that we're going to see is yes, okay, Israel will probably be happy for an independent body to investigate the airstrikes and so on, but you will never see the same level of scrutiny of Hamas's behaviour just because no, of course, of course, of yeah, who they are because they are a terrorist organisation at the end of the day, um, and at the end of the day all the Israeli airstrikes have done is sort of turned back the clock a little bit for them. Hamas will be back. It will be back in the fight probably a lot sooner than we imagine. Um, Iran is already flying supplies uh, into Syria to be passed through to Hamas again to reinforce them. I've personally seen tweets today from uh, the IRGC's commander, uh, General Carney, and uh, obviously the Iranian Supreme Leader Khamenei, um, both of whom are, you know, singing the praises of, of Hamas's actions in the last 12 days um, and, and, and sort of re-emphasising their support for the actions that have been taken against Israel, the, the, the rocket strikes and the anti-tank missiles and the IEDs and the stabbing attacks and all sorts that have been going on. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, yeah, completely... The, the, the IDF, we, we have to be very, very clear. The Israeli Defence Forces have been incredibly careful when it comes to their airstrikes and who they're hitting and what they're hitting. Um, probably more so, I would argue, than the US Air Force or the RAF or a lot of other, uh, you know, sort of world-leading air forces are in combat situations. They go out of their way in so many different you know dif different ways to make sure that the target they are hitting is a military target that there is the lowest chance of civilian casualties all the way down to literally as as we've seen in videos in the last 12 days ringing up the owners of some of these buildings and saying to them look you need to get your people out of this building now just get everyone out. We will wait. And you know yes. that, that that's not something you would ordinarily see. Does it mean that Hamas operatives get the opportunity to leave the building as well? Yes, it does. But at the end of the day, the IDF obviously views each of these buildings as significant enough of a piece of Hamas infrastructure that they're prepared to flatten the building with or without Hamas operatives inside. And unfortunately, yeah, we have seen some pretty shocking videos of uh, the telephone conversations and pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas uh, building owners turning around and saying things like, well, bomb us then. We don't care. You'll kill our you look children at, and, and, and you'll you look, look evil for it. If you look at the buildings in Gaza, a lot of the high-rises have parking garages and basements, and those are the big other things Hamas use. And I mean... that. You cannot target the basement or the parking garage without targeting the building itself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know that video was horrifying, I think, um, and that goes to show the extent in which Hamas will go to to win the propaganda war. In which, mm. personally, this is my own opinion, I think Hamas has come out of this very, very well in terms of their image and their the propaganda war. Um, yeah. 
Israel may have won the war of attrition and what you know, the war of you know on the ground and in the air. However, I think it's quite clear that Hamas has won the uh, the war on social media. Yeah, which would you know that that's quite significant. And again, it, it comes down to the way in which the information is being shared. Um, the IDF has been very good at providing footage. Um, it's been very good at providing explanations and graphics and all sorts to explain what it is that it's doing with the airstrikes and, and what exactly Israel has been facing with the rocket attacks. But at the end of yeah. the day, the the backing for Hamas and for the for the Palestinian, you know, uh, story is still significant around the world, and it it always has been, probably always will be, and and. Like like we mentioned earlier, particularly in the UK, it's been a lot of sort of university age uh, people sharing sort of effectively what is pro Hamas propaganda. Um, they're not aware that that's what they're sharing because they're literally just seeing it being shared by uh, you know one of their political groups or an influential like, um... account, and they just you know they jump on the bandwagon. Um, for that moment in time, it's like we saw images during the time of people. Of obviously, there was various images of children crying and sitting in rubble. And mm. several times, those pictures had turned out they were actually from Syria and were a result of what Assad had done to his own people. But they were simply taken and used as a piece of propaganda to say, "Oh, look what Israel's done." Yeah, and it's 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 you know we've covered this in in previous episodes as well. It's so important with footage like that to verify the sources um although it you know open source intelligence is a blessing in so many ways because it allows us to see what's going on you know far beyond what we're being told by governments and by mainstream media but at the same time it it's a two-edged sword because you've got to be so careful to check where the footage is coming from when it was filmed and so on and and you know we, we've seen throughout this this recent israel palestine situation and even just you know outside of that in 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 the days before and since we've seen so many instances of images being taken out of context and footage being shared as new when in fact you know some some of it is very very old footage from a completely different situation yeah i mean it's like for like like photos like what's seen from Israel and Gaza, it honestly will only take 30 seconds of your time just to pop that photo into a reverse search and just have a look and see if it comes produces any earlier results. It's honestly, for mm. 30 seconds, it is totally worth it. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, the amount of the amount of seething I have done at photos and videos supposedly from Gaza, you know, I, th- I believe. Uh, there was one I saw, trying to recall, of a... That's right, that's right, I remember that. So there was a... If, if anyone remembers, um, there was a chemical plant in China that went up a few years ago, and it was mm. recorded as one of the world's biggest explosions in terms of magnitude. And someone had, you know, put a load of hashtags, like hashtag Gaza under attack, etc., etc., on that particular video. And it had thousands of likes yeah and it, it clearly clearly was not was nowhere near gaza mm. um it, it's infuriating absolutely infuriating some of it 
Yeah. Um, go on. And 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 this is this is just very much the whole issue with the whole propaganda war. Um, it's something we've seen an awful lot in recent times. It's been very. I think it's probably been most clear with Israel and, and Gaza and the, the, the ongoing fighting in the last sort of 10, 15 years in particular. Um, I don't think we've really seen it as vividly in, say, you know, the situation in Syria and Iraq or, you know, Myanmar or Venezuela. It's very much been something that has really taken hold in the Middle East in, in Israel and Gaza in particular, um, and with Iran and everything else that's that's going on there at that moment in time. Um, I would say, I would on. say as well, like the outcome of the um, of the Israel Gaza situation, it has been a major diplomatic victory for the Egyptians. Yes, yeah, that, and and, and we yeah, yeah, definitely. We we can't, you know, go any further without really sort of taking our hats off to the Egyptians because this is not the first time they've done this. Um, no, they're you, they they're, that's, really they're done an astonishing it's... job in recent years of diplomacy for you know all sorts of situations. You've had obviously we had the uh, the major upheaval in Lebanon last year following the uh, Beirut port explosion. Uh, the Egyptians were involved in helping to sort of calm the waters a little bit and 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 ensure a transition of government there. Um, we've had, obviously, as as we've mentioned, the Israel-Gaza situation in the last week. Um, again, Egypt's involvement in diplomacy there has been astonishing. Um, Egypt's becoming quite a a player in the Middle East in that regard. Um, they are they are being seen more and more, I think, as a a diplomatic powerhouse. Which um, I know the Israelis are definitely grateful to the Egyptians for that. Um, and I suspect a great many of the other Arab countries are grateful to Egypt uh, for the role it's playing now. Um, because it, it's worth remembering as well, Egypt was one of the warring factions uh, when it comes to Israel um, not that many years ago. So yeah, it's, about, it's a really positive turnaround. Go back to the days of the Cold, Cold War, Egypt and Israel really didn't have good relations. I mean, their relations still aren't perfect, but... Egypt had mass massively managed to sort of be like the the level the calm voice in the room. Mm. Yeah. Mass yeah, you know, massive hat tip to Egypt. I think it's I think it's been completely overlooked, um, the, the influence in which they've had and the success they've had in bringing bringing about a peace to the to the region. I mean, look at the you know, Libya, um to an, to an extent, I will say to an extent Libya. The Palestinians, Israelis, the Lebanese, the Lebanese and the Israelis, um, they really just have that touch of being able to, you know, sit both sides down and, you know, talk it out, yeah. work out what's done. And I, th I think that's, they to be reckoned for that. It's yeah. been, yeah, thank and God. They've, they've, they've kind of taken on that um, responsibility almost from America. Um, I think it's fair to say that the U.S. has had very little to do with this most recent Israel-Gaza, you know, spat. Um, I think we've had President Biden has made the odd statement saying that Israel has the right to defend itself, but also calling at the same time for the end of hostilities. But we've seen very little else in that regard, um, particularly diplomatically, 
there's obviously been no military involvement, although uh, I have read somewhere today that the US is prepared to restock Israel's Iron Dome uh, interceptors uh, for all of the, the interceptors that were fired during this uh, recent conflict. Um, I don't entirely know how that works because I thought Iron Dome was a Israeli-built system anyway, but we'll see what the US decides depends to do what, like, Depends like the individual components of the um, of the missiles. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly interesting to see and I think do you know what? My, there's something in which I like to touch on a personal perspective, and that's I'm quite taken back with how supportive the US has been of Israel. Um, you know, Biden administration, I've been, as, you, as you're aware, as the listeners are aware, I've been quite critical of the current administration's foreign policy. Um, and I think what we've seen is a shift. Um, I wasn't expecting, I, you know, Typically, I was expecting um, just, you know, we need to bring both sides to the table, uh, yada, 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 negotiations. But, you know, the tweets, congressmen, congresswomen, you know, both houses have been, you know, from what I've seen, supportive of Israel, you know, the Israel's right to self-defense. Obviously, there's a large number which aren't. Um, I won't name them, but I think those who follow me on Twitter know who i mean mm. um but it's been interesting I, I i personally have noticed and i this might just be me to it too much but i've um i've noticed that yeah they've been a lot more one-sided than i thought i believe they would be i i think to be honest what we've seen is we've like like you say we've seen the the senators and 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 you know the senior congressmen and stuff very much being more supportive verbally um but we've kind of seen if anything to compensate for that we've seen the president and you know secretaries of state not being quite as vocal um as we've seen in recent years i think under the trump administration we we got very used to seeing him being very vocally supportive of israel while the house was not quite so vocal i think with Biden and and with the last two weeks, we've kind of seen the presidential elements sort of pull back slightly in how vocal it is. Um, while you know the the like I say, the Senate has sort of stepped up and 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 spoken out a bit more um, about what's going on. But I think yeah, for me, um, that, that... it's still been very quiet. Um, We've not had the kind of statements we would normally see. Um, things at the UN have been fairly subdued. Um, I think what we have to bear in mind is that the US is still balancing the fact that it is having these uh, nuclear agreement talks with Iran, and Iran being the primary supporter of Hamas and, and, and supplier and, and all the rest of it. It's kind of been a bit of a balancing act for the US where they want Iran on side in order to get this deal pushed through. But at the same time, they have to be careful not to sort of set a precedent where they don't condemn Hamas rocket attacks. But at the same time, they don't want to anger the Iranians by turning around and, and you know, 
actively helping Israel during the fight. Yes, yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting you know, going forward to see how the US decides to proceed with, you know, restocking hardware, etc., etc., and policy towards Israel. Um, but yeah, as you say, from from last Trump lead by example, very very vocal on policy, international issues to complete reverse where more or less backbenchers are the most vocal and you know, the leadership has been relatively silent um, and many will argue that that's a better thing um, I w- I'm trying to think of how to word this I would say I would prefer to see Biden being more vocal topics people people want to know how the world works around them, how what is in the world around i don't think that having i don't think that having someone on the back benches speaking on behalf of the west is going to help the situation but yeah it's a very very interesting situation really yeah and, and, and as you said it comes down to Biden's foreign policy and it's it's something we've we've spoken of he's not very clear on what his intentions are he's clear about Russia he he seems to be very firmly against Russia although having said that we've seen him take a step back again this week um and drop sanctions on the uh, Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline between Europe and Russia um, after months of saying that Russia should not be allowed, he seems to have just sort of said, no, you know what, we'll let them do what they want. Um, as we said before, you know, he seems to be very much happy to let Iran get what it wants as long as he can sort of put a rubber stamp on a piece of paper and say, yeah, we've got a nuclear deal with them. Um, yeah, I mean, as we've seen as well, I mean, yesterday wrong but yesterday i mean the houthis are back on the list Mm. you know i I tweeted yesterday i tweeted last night that quite quite evident that they were removed off the foreign terrorist organization list solely for political posturing and political reasoning yeah um made no logical sense to prove a point um that ultimately has cost lives and it's it's driven the Yemeni conflict deeper into destruction, as as we well have, we've discussed before. That that the fact that they were removed, that you know, considered themselves more or less off the hook, they they can get away with more. Yeah. Um. And I think the fact that they were back on it, step forward, but it's a cataclysmic mistake that they were they were taken off in the first place. Yeah, and it's it's hurt U.S. relations with Saudi. Ultimately, um, we're still yeah. seeing you know. The, the defense deals that were signed towards the end of the Trump administration, they seemingly have not gone any further at this point. So even though the Houthis are back on the list of terrorist organizations, um, I can't really imagine the Saudis are particularly happy with the US at the minute. Um, it, it, no, interestingly they, they, they as well, with just while we're still on the topic of, of, of Israel and Gaza, the Saudis have been surprisingly quiet on this occasion. 
um, in previous yeah, sort yeah. Of rounds of fighting, we've seen the Saudis almost helping the Egyptians with the diplomatic side of things. Uh, we've you know, often seen Israeli diplomats going to Saudi, having private chats with Saudi leadership um, about potential peace efforts and, and potential peace agreements. And there's been none of that on this occasion, as so far as we're aware, um, which probably, you know, goes into why this fighting has gone on for nearly, nearly two weeks um, before the Egyptians have managed to, you know, sort of sort and a ceasefire of sorts out. Uh, yeah. Um, as of now, it is the what twenty first. Yeah, so recording t- t- uh, taking place on the twenty first of May, and we have a ceasefire that is holding. So. Yeah. yeah. How long it holds for remains to be seen. Um, let's be honest; it will probably only hold so long as Hamas needs to rearm. Um, like I say, that there's been a lot of jubilation amongst the pro-Palestinian groups, both in Gaza itself and, and overseas. Um, and they very much are claiming it as a victory at the moment. Um, yes, and that's that most important bit, isn't it? It's the, it's trying to salvage some of that. Um, it's you know, claims of victory when all it really is ceasefire. Um, ceasefire will not, they'll claim victory nevertheless. Um, I honestly see the situation as is if Hamas, Hamas can claim this is claim this is a victory, and obviously, despite the obvious losses to equipment in the various um, buildings destroyed, if they see this as a victory, I can't see much motivation for them holding a ceasefire for an extensive amount of time. No, they, yeah, they, no, I, they I want can't to, see it. They want to capitalize on that feeling as quickly as they can. And I suspect, like I say, that's why we're seeing Iran starting to move assets in by air into Syria in preparation to then ferry it across the border through Lebanon down into Gaza. Um, We're not likely to see an end to Israeli airstrikes. While they might not happen in Gaza itself, we can almost guarantee that we're going to see stuff happening around Damascus airport as those uh, supply shipments start coming in. Um, It's going to be a return to normality in in some regards uh for a little while at least but yeah it's it's good yeah. you know back to the state of quo isn't it now you know aircraft comes in deposits weapon shipments uh breaking news air defense active above Damas- uh, damascus you know the rest um yeah and i think that's gonna be it now um hamas has been reduced significantly and I think Israel will now want to just start you know, cutting the legs out of it before it grow. Um, yeah, it's, it's worth gonna, it's, it's gonna worth really cut mind. it off at its source. It's worth bearing in mind that prior to the start of this recent fight, um, the open source intelligence community believes that Hamas had somewhere in the region of about five and a half thousand rockets. Um, a combination of Iranian supplied weapons and sort of home-built devices. Um, and obviously what we've seen over the last 12 days of fighting was some four, four and a half thousand of those rockets being fired at Israel. So we are probably going to see a lull for now while Hamas rebuilds that arsenal. And it will take them time because... You cannot just sort of manufacture 
thousands of rockets as quickly as they've been fired. Um, I think ultimately, had the fighting continued uh, into this coming week, it probably wouldn't have lasted much longer because Hamas was rapidly running out of rockets. Um, yeah, I think Hamas would have pushed for a ceasefire. Yeah, Hamas ultimately probably would have had to go for a ceasefire, and I think the Egyptians timing this, you know, this ceasefire when they have has allowed both sides to sort of claim victory um, and ignore the fact that yes, Hamas was running out of rockets and probably would have had to declare defeat sooner or later. But on the other hand, Israel, like we said, was definitely losing the propaganda war and so might have had to call an end to hostilities itself before too long as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, It's going to be very interesting. I I wouldn't put it past Israel to, you know, I I believe next couple of days we'll see a hit on Damascus or Homs um, just to mitigate the threat of of restocking of weapons. Um, I think Israel needs to start pushing that more, start really cutting off by if it wants to secure its, you know, if it wants to secure the threat from Palestine, from West Bank, it needs to start preventing the flow of weapons at the source. Hmm. And how far to the source they go is up to them. Um, I, I really do believe we'll see just a small, maybe even a you know a moderate uptake in strikes on Syria, but apart from that, nothing too drastic. They proved that they can take them necessarily. So, what yeah. else is there to prove, really? And I think as well, we need to keep a very close eye on how these Iran-U.S. nuclear talks go. Um, Israel's been very vocally against uh, any sort of Iranian nuclear deal, and understandably so. Uh, the U.S. is ploughing on, regardless, though, and. Um, we have seen in the last few months, we've we've seen what we can only assume is Mossad agents going into Iran and sabotaging various facilities, and that's not going to that's not going to end. That is going to carry on, and I suspect we're going to see a great deal see a great deal more of that, um, depending on on how this Iran U.S. nuclear agreement goes, and how much pressure the U.S. is going to exert on Israel to basic to essentially stop it as in you as in is from their point of view that's just going to compromise everything and make things far more difficult for from the u.s perspective yeah and they put pressure um there were a number of uh, phone calls between israeli prime minister Netanyahu and uh, biden about you know, giving situational updates uh, to the u.s on, on the conflict there were reports confirmed that um, the Biden administration issued uh, a statement saying should um, hostilities not cease within a few days uh, the US would start to put pressure on Israelis to stop and I think that was turning because that gave the Israelis a time frame in which they could get operations done by Yeah, that shows that rightfully the US is willing to draw that line in the sand um prevent further loss of life so yeah hope you know hopefully this is a sign of things to come you know three four years of biden still hopefully this is this is the foreign policy turnaround we've been waiting for so uh yeah 
think it's probably worth uh, us moving on now to um, just briefly mention uh, Carrier Strike Group. We Way. do keep mentioning it, and we can't seem to avoid mentioning it. And I'm sure if Technical was with us this evening, he would be uh, nah, he'd crying into his hands by now. now. Um, yeah, he'd be bracing for We've seizure. just had uh, Exercise Strike Warrior off the coast of Scotland. Uh, HMS Queen Elizabeth's returned to port um, for a few hours, uh, and tomorrow the entire strike group will leave harbour again. Um, harbour, harbour in the harbour in the evenings. Some of them leave in the afternoon, but HMS Queen Elizabeth herself leaves about nine or half past nine at night. Yeah, I think if yeah, I'm um, half nine tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, obviously that that is a major thing, and that will be a topic that we will be. We'll try not to focus too much on it in the coming months, but it will be getting the mentions as we'll, uh, we'll certainly follow it progress around. Yeah, we'll certainly be following follow the progress, progress around the world, world. And, and 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 sort of updating you guys on on any interesting news with regards to that. Um, I mean, where does she where does she go at Portsmouth now? She goes was it called Atlantic Warrior? Atlantic Trident with the French Absolutely. that's ongoing at the moment in France. Then it's part of Steadfast Defender with off the coast of Portugal area. Then it's meeting up with the Charles de Gaulle in the Mediterranean. Then it's maybe something in the Eastern Mediterranean, don't really know. Then it's through the Suez Canal in, into I, the I Indian Ocean. I cannot wait. Do you know what? My, my highlight at like the first stage is going to be the meet, the meet up with the French carrier strike group. The, the piss take. It's going to be immense. Yeah, I mean, we've we've already right. seen today, haven't we? From um, oh god, from yeah. our, our, gonna... our lovely hosts at the UK Defence Journal have uh, managed to cause quite a stir today with um, a photo of, well, an edited photo of the Charles de Gaulle uh, parked between uh, our two carriers, and that's caused all sorts of anguish online. Um, Various French commentators getting very, very angry about things. Well, I would say a lot of the French defence community, certainly on Twitter, have taken the joke quite well and kind of joined in and had a joke back. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, I, I mean, and then others haven't. Um, to be honest, it's been so, it, it theoretically, it's it, it at least looks like from my point of view that it's a lot of sort of like larger British accounts have failed to see the joke. Yeah, and we've we've seen again this evening a mainstream uh, UK news uh, agency has had to pick up the story and sort of emphasise that it's just a joke, and that the French carrier is not in fact half the size of the British carriers. Um, I mean, the irony is that give it ten, fifteen years time, and the French will be sort of turning this joke back on us because uh, their future carrier design is going to be a bit larger than our ones are. Um, it's also absolutely disgusting. Have you seen the bridge? <laughs> been... Oh my God. Um, was it, uh, they, they claimed it was inspired by French medieval architecture. Yeah. It honestly, it for those, honestly for just those who like haven't seen it yet, I will, uh, I'll, I'll get technical to uh, stick an image of it on uh, on the YouTube video so that you can have a look at that. It is basically, um, I think the, the simplest way of describing it is the French have taken the Charles de Gaulle design, they have stretched it out to being almost the length of the US Gerald R. Ford class, and then taken an island design like the Ford class, but made it as French as they possibly can, without yeah, it's... you know lining the uh, the edge of it with baguettes and and God knows what else. 
white and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm quite interested with the new, with obviously the replacement for Charles de Gaulle. That there was talk of it having a vertical landing spot, so it can operate, so it can operate U.S. U.S. Marine Corps F-35Bs, obviously British F-35Bs, Singapore's and Japan's F-35Bs, Italians. It's it'd be an interesting concept. I I I somehow doubt that. Sides, yeah, uh, um, that keen to have F-35s on board. But having said that, the it is worth mentioning the uh, German, French, and I believe it's Spanish uh, joint project at the moment for a future combat air system. Um, there is rumours that that stealth jet will be vertical takeoff and landing capable. Um, Ooh, that's well, I think, whether I think or not that, that certainly... ends up being the case, we shall have to wait and see. And that certainly opens up quite a big discussion of do they go for a naval variant as well of it? Yeah, and and obviously for some time now there has been talk between France and Germany of operating a joint carrier air wing. I mean, um, you've got to also look at it from the Spanish point of view as well of they need sort of replacements for their Harriers as well. Yeah, the Spanish are really struggling at the minute with aircraft in general. I mean, they've, they've had to cut their Typhoon order. Um, they're trying to get their Hornets replaced at the minute. The Harriers are desperately old and in need of replacement um so this project is kind of a bit of you know they, they need this to work um and whether the french and the germans end up overcomplicating things by trying to make it a vertical takeoff and landing carrier capable you know stealth jet with all sorts of weaponry and lasers and stuff that the spanish then can't afford we're gonna have to wait and see but um yeah. Speaking at speaking of Harrods, is it me who was re- only just like was it just me who was really really bummed that the um, United States Marine Corps didn't land one on HMS Queen Elizabeth during Exercise Strike Warrior? Would have been lovely Every, to see, everyone. but I think it's got. I don't. It doesn't have the qualifications to begin the attack. La- I don't think it has carrier qualifications to land on it either. The pilots of themselves or the aircraft, and I'm not too sure about. The heat coming down on the deck. If the deck's specially built yeah. to cope with the F-35B, or if they don't want to risk landing another aircraft that they haven't necessarily tested the deck for for just before they go on yeah. a nine-month deployment. And you have to remember the Harriers are coming to the end of their service with the US as well. I mean, it. It. it I was thinking just the other day. It's been ten years now since the Harriers left UK Royal Navy flight decks for the final time. Um, I mean, yeah, it's been an astonishingly long 10 years in some ways. And yet at the same time, it's, you know, it kind of surprised me that it had been 10 years already. Um, So the the Americans are very much sort of just using the Harriers until they have enough uh, F-35Bs to sort of... It's a stopgap, really. They're just sort of using it in a a way which they can just sort of make up the numbers. Yeah. and you know they're using it to good effect. It is what it is, but it's gonna be sad to see it go. Mm. Um, one less nation with Harriers, um, as we know, us Brits are very fond of them. Yeah. So you know, but they will be you know on to bigger and better things, literally. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So you know, very excited. We're all very excited about CSG Twenty One. Um, Global Britain. Uh, Brexit doesn't mean that we're we're close for business, and I think that's really the message of it politically. Yeah, Britain is open for business. Um, 
how many you know stupid amount of countries we're visiting, exercising with various navies, photo exercises, diplomatic visits. We, we can't wait. The next the next nine nine eight nine months are going to be mega. So um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good to see. Uh, yeah, it really is. Very very proud. Um, you know, following the progress since since the early, you know. It's about twenty fifteen sixteen. Just to see it get to this point is is mad. So, mm. so yeah, I think you know if with you know. While we're uh, that... on that topic of the Royal Navy at the minute, it's um, we've obviously had the news this week. We've had the confirmation of ship names for the Type Thirty One frigates. Oh right, yeah, this this is proper. <laughs> I don't like them. This is I don't, uh, like, no, no, like, this I'm this sorry, been a but source it's... of a lot of uh, contention in the uh, the yeah. UK defence Committee's oh, Discord server. I really cannot fathom. In, I'm sorry, but I cannot fathom inspiration class. Yeah, it's... I. I, I... <sighs> I, I think I mean, they would have oh. just been better off just leaving it called the Type Thirty One frigate and then just gone with. Or, the names no, no, or they just, 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 put, just, put, just put in some repurposed names from an old class because I mean, yeah. in, to say inspiration class, the only one that actually seems to have sort of like inspiration vibes to it is HMS Ventura, as in going on adventure. But formidable Campbelltown bulldog and active HMS active. What inspiration's that? Yeah, I, and, I, and, and it's, it's, it's a case of. This this is the thing with the Royal Navy. There's it's always been a history of a board at the Admiralty who sit down and pick the ship names, and they do prefer with, you know, they, they do prefer to pick historical names. So every single one of these uh, ship names dates back to a vessel from the Second World War. Um, in the case of HMS Active, she was a light aircraft carrier. Uh, Ventura was a submarine. Um, Campbelltown was a destroyer. Um, what were the other two? It was formidable. Uh, one was an aircraft yeah. carrier as well, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I hate formidable. Um, I believe was it Bull, uh, Bulldog? Jordan was another destroyer, wasn't it? Yeah, Bulldog was which present during Jersey the surrender of Axis forces. Yeah, it was Bulldog, wasn't it? It was Bulldog. Yeah, Bulldog yeah. was the I believe frigate. I'll probably get crucified for that if it's wrong. <laughs> but it was a frigate. If if it was. Frigate present for the Axis surrender in the Channel Islands. So you know, all of them have significance. Yeah, all they, of do, the names they do. They do have significance. They do have historical. You know, and don't get me wrong, we like stories, the names. But... Most people like the names. It's the name of the class in which people, you know, yeah. don't get. It's why weren't they named either Active class or Legacy class, Inspiration class? Yeah, I'm going to say the W word. I'm going to say the really W word here. It it sounds a bit woke. <laughs> sounds a little bit woke um in which you know people aren't going to like that so I, I hope the uh i hope um main office comes to its comes to its senses and aims it something in which reflects the cut that really you know, reflects it better i think yeah but it is good to finally have some names for the ships um there's been so much speculation you know, in, in the Discord server in the last six months about what the ships were going to be called. Um, we had all sorts of suggestions being thrown around. And uh, to be fair, I think we are, for the most part, quite pleased with some of the suggestions. Um, I, You know, I've got no objection to Formidable and Ventura and, and Active. Um, all ships that, you know, 
have, as we've said, very important stories and in, in of their involvement in World War Two. Um, it does, however, fill me with a little bit of concern as to whether or not the ship names for the Type 32s will continue the trend, whether we're going to get another class name that makes us all facepalm. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. Uh, I, I think hope, for... you know, I... go on, mate, go on. I was going to say, I'd like for the Type 32s, with them going over, with the plan for them to replace the Batch 2 EVs overseas, I'd like to see them u- utilise some names from the days of the, um, from the days of when they would patrol the per- the Persian Gulf or the Barrier Patrol. I would like to use, see them use some names from the, of those classes. Hmm. Yeah. I, I half um... wonder if, um, you know, if, if maybe naming them after the Centaur class aircraft carriers would be a good idea, because obviously the Centaur class aircraft carriers, for those who are not familiar, um, was kind of the major, the last major fleet carrier design built before the Royal Navy withdrew uh, from east of Suez during the the infamous uh, White Paper in uh, the nineteen sixties. Um, Can't see them get in the Centaur class until the days out of until the days Albion and Bulwark are retired. Yeah, that is that is the thing. Um that being said, both Albion and Bulwark are due to leave service uh later this decade, round about the same time that the Type thirty twos are due to be arriving. So it's not impossible, but I mean, at the end of the day, it'd be nice to have another HMS Hermes. Um I think we we're all, you know, we can all agree to that. Um, mm-hmm. What other ship names they go for? Bearing in mind, of course, that the the idea with the Type Thirty Twos is that they are going to be effectively motherships for unmanned warfare, ve- you know, vehicles of various types. So the idea of naming them after, you know, f- former aircraft carriers is is not necessarily a bad idea. Um, Again, that, yeah, that, I, agree. I kind of would have liked in that regard to have seen HMS Formidable res- the the name reserved for a Type Thirty Two instead of being used yeah. For type no, 31. I was just about to say it would it would I would personally like to see Formidable as you say reserved for a Thirty Two if if they do choose to go down the Hermes you know carrier route, which I which you know I hope they do. Hmm. I hope it. I hope sincerely hope they do. So yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see, but. Can't get any worse than uh, inspiration. <laughs> and there goes the Admiralty saying, "Hold my beer." Yeah, there we go. See, I've just, I've actually just touched wood. I've actually <laughs> just gone and touched some wood because <laughs> someone at Naval HQ will be listening to this and be like, "Hold this." Yeah. Hold, hold my, hold my officer's sword. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I'm. Yeah. Once again, please, 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 no more inspiration class. So, yeah, um, on that note, John, do you want to, um, do you want to, uh, news roundup or is, uh, I can do, uh, have you guys yeah, got yeah, anything sure, you want to chuck in there? To be honest, it's been mostly, you know, it's Palestine CSG related for me. I mean, I've not really kept track of it. 
Yeah, it's it's fair to say it's been a little difficult. Um, Those of you who follow me on Twitter will have noticed that I have tweeted very little else until sort of yesterday evening um, over the last two weeks. It has been mostly Israel-Gaza stuff. Um, That's not intentional. It's just what information comes to me, unfortunately. Um, And my feed has literally had very little else but Israel-Palestine sort of stuff coming into it. Um, That being said, there are a few news stories that have caught my attention today, so I'm just going to try and uh, quickly uh, go through a few of them, if you will give me a moment. Got to find my my notes. Um, Insert elevated music here. So we've had... uh, The UK has restarted the um, Fleet Solids support ship project um, for three vessels. Some of you will three. remember uh, a while back. Oh, yeah, three oh. vessels, yeah. Um, some of you it? will remember a while back the project was started and uh, eventually was sort of terminated and, and, and the promise was made that the, the project would be back once they managed to sort of sort out some issues with the procurement process. Um, at the moment, the plan is for three 40,000-ton vessels uh, for a total cost of £1.6 billion to be in service by 2029. Um, I believe they've opened now for companies to offer their suggestions. Um, so that will be an interesting project to look at because there's obviously been a great deal of domestic uh, sort of politics around this and, and, and the intention that these ships need to be built in the UK instead of... Yeah, you know, I was just about to say, if this current countries. government if this current government is going to stand by its promises, if, if they are built outside the UK, there will be questions. Because they've, pu- they've, push, they've pushed massively for sh- shipbuilding has been a partic- naval shipbuilding has been a particular focus of the current government and it would re- basically well, it would be a goal in their own net because it would just be undermining their own policy. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in the Middle East, Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps have unveiled a new unmanned aerial vehicle, uh, which they have named Gaza, um, in honour of the uh, resistance groups that have been fighting Israel for the last two weeks. The UAV is capable of flying 2,000 kilometres and has 13 uh, stations on the wings and the fuselage for different weapons. Um, Iran's also unveiled a new surface-to-air missile system, uh, which we have very little detail for at the moment, and a new radar called the Quds, um, which uh, analysts believe is based on the Russian Vostok-E uh, radar system so that's uh, an interesting development and we're not entirely sure if this is uh, Russia supplying equipment to Iran now or if this is equipment Iran has had hold of for some time and it's just developing the technology now um, but obviously that that whole relationship between Russia and Iran uh, particularly with the the clash with the US uh, relations is, is worth uh, keeping an eye on as well for now um, Italian company M23 has uh, delivered two midget submarines to Qatar. Um, although we don't know an awful lot about the submarines, um, our friends over at Naval News and H.I. Sutton have estimated the submarines to be 
around about 30 meters in length, and at least one of them carries uh, two torpedoes, two heavyweight torpedoes in uh, shoulder-mounted torpedo launchers. Uh, you can find the full article regarding that story on the navalnews.com website. The Red Arrows for the Royal Air Force have uh, formally been signed off uh, following their training in uh, Cyprus. So their display team for this year has now been formally confirmed uh, in a post on Facebook yesterday. Uh, in terms of what air That'd shows are going to be taking place around the world this year, uh, it kind of remains to be seen at the moment, obviously, with a lot of nations all a bit up in the air yeah it's uh it's likely to be a a smaller uh display season than we've been used to seeing uh but it is good to see them back uh on the flight line and ready to go yeah uh, that'd be good hopefully i get to uh opportunity to see them again this year it's always always a pleasure to watch the red arrows Mm. exceptional skills exceptional flying what else could you ask for yeah. So, on that and, note... Oh, sorry, just one last oh, uh, news yeah, story. Yeah. Um, we got reports a few days ago uh, from the US that an F-15QA, which is a Qatari advanced version of the F-15E uh, Strike Eagle, crashed uh, during a test flight uh, in the US. Um, although the pilot and weapon system operator ejected safely, one of the two crew members has... Uh, sustained minor injuries. Um, at the moment, we do not know the cause of the crash. Uh, an investigation is underway, um, but it's it's unusual. Um, we've not seen an F-15 crash in a very long time, um, particularly one that um, has l- not long come off the production. The last line. one was one that came down off the coast. Yeah, of the North I was going to say that was near you, Jordan. That was the yeah, one but that wasn't a new year. build airframe, was it? That's 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 the important thing to note here. This uh, F-15QA had reportedly only been uh, produced in the last month um, and was just undergoing the, one of the final test flights prior to being delivered to Qatar um, when it crashed. Like I say, we we don't know any details as to to why it crashed or how it crashed at the moment. Um, but that will be one to watch, particularly with uh, the US uh, now entering full production of the F-15EX Eagle II, as it's become known. Very, very, very exceptional naming convention there. Who would have thought? <laughs> very, very inventive. Um, yes. Um, yeah, one last note from, from us. Um, we've been getting a lot of questions about platforms. Um, posted this week. We can confirm we are looking at these options. Yeah. Um, um, some of you will... Well, a significant number of you by now have seen uh, the tweet I put up about this earlier this week. Um, somewhere in the region of 45,000 of you have now seen uh, the tweet about it. Um, and it, it's been, we've had a lot of positive feedback. Um, we are at the moment in the process of getting onto other platforms. Um, because of technology and the way things are, I can't confirm yet what platforms that will be. Um, obviously, you know, we, we will do everything we can to get onto all of the platforms we're currently looking at. 
Um, but it may well be that if we have any technical issues, there may be a sort of phased introduction to uh, other platforms. Um, so it is coming. We have heard your requests. Um, we do appreciate, obviously, that you know watching the stream on YouTube is not the easiest thing to do, particularly when uh, the streams are an hour or, or more in length. Um, and Tom is uh, kicking himself now because he very nearly let the cat out of the bag there. Um, yeah, very, but yeah, very nearly. Um, it is a work in progress. Um, whether we manage to do it before the end of May or whether we uh, sort of manage it within the first couple of weeks of June, uh, I will obviously we'll, we'll keep you posted on Twitter. Um, and for those of you in the, in the uh, UK Defence Community Discord server, we'll, we'll let you guys know as well um, via an announcement as soon as we can yeah all looking good um it'll be fantastic if that happens um we want more people to know what's happening in the world great these people who were to, to hear it from us so yeah i think after enough time saying it i think on that note um it'll be we could wrap it up there what do you what yep. do you say? yep and so, All right, thank so you very thank much you all for listening. listening. Oh, snap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you all for listening. Um, hopefully it'll be the four of us um, in, in a couple of weeks. So until then, bye-bye.